Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Nicholas Lalo, and this week we'll be interviewing Pierce Gordon, a PhD student in the Energy and Resources Group at UC Berkeley, studying Design for Development. And we'll be discussing the innovation of innovation in the developing context. Hey, welcome to the show, Pierce. What's going on? So you describe yourself as a design researcher. I do, very much so. What does it mean to research design? It means people try their best to um, turn our world from its current state to its preferred state. Um, And while they do so, they uh, create interventions or technologies. They engage in activities. They connect with each other. They connect with others that they try to help. And all of these um, realities that are created uh, about um, that process and about what comes out of that process is is interesting. Um, and because people are trying to do it every single day, um, understanding how to think about it, how people apply the work, and how to um, do it better. So let's shrink the problem space a little bit more because you're focused specifically on development issues. Can you take us through some of these development issues where people are applying design theory? Sure, definitely. Man, Many, many, many people are trying to do design, uh, design for development, even if they say they're not. Um, so that does not shrink the problem space uh, that much, but it does a little bit. So um, I come from the um, philosophy that we are all designers, whether or not we acknowledge it. We create something. Uh, we create some people. They actively create technology. Some people, they create clothes. They create businesses. Um, for international development, the range of interest is just as wide. Um, people work on gender issues. People work on um, health. They work on uh, energy and economics, behavioral economics. And design for development are people that try to address development issues by creating something new. Um, there are many people that have very less constricted more constricted definitions. Um, But for me, anyone who creates, especially for uh, addressing global poverty issues in all of their forms, Mm -hmm. is a designer in this field. Okay, and so these groups have noble ambitions in some ways to apply design thinking to innovation in development. Yeah. yeah. What are the problems associated with that? Why did you, why is this your focus? It's not, there are a few problems. Um, One big problem that is outside the realm of design is people have been designing, uh, not using design thinking for a long time, and they've been failing for a long time. Um, Could you explain design thinking then? Sure. Uh, When I say design work, I usually say things very broadly. And when I sometimes say design thinking, it is most of the time used as a... um, umbrella term for the methods that have been adopted by uh, communities like have been adopted or pushed by IDO or the D school or uh, MIT's D lab, uh, D school at Stanford, um, to understand the context in which people live, um, 
they might go into uh, West Oakland and try to address the problem of uh, food deserts. And they say, what are the issues around them? Who are the people? Uh, where, what is the environment like? Uh, what are their perceptions and where can they shop? And just as much ethnographic information as possible. Um, they take that in and then with that information, they try and create, um, understand problems that they can solve themselves and then create solutions to address them. Um, that process of iterative um, understanding, brainstorming, creation, and testing out those interventions. I call that design thinking. The, the thing that makes it interesting, uh, that is new from other folks, is that it's um, relatively systematic. Uh, that it's spaces of thought that people usually know how to use, uh, but that they don't usually try and think of in these either sequentially or together. Um, they do parts of it, they might not do others. Number one, a lot of people have been designing and they've been failing. Two specific examples are the um, play pump uh, in international development. Um, they got a whole bunch of money from Jay-Z and from, uh, I believe, Bono. And they, they did a whole bunch of investment. And then a couple of years later, a whole like about a quarter of them were broken down. And there are reports of people. The main point of the play pump is to try and use children um, and the fact that they want to play around a carousel to pump water out of the ground. Um, it just it wasn't working and it didn't have the context of the people's um, environments that they put them in in mind, number one. Uh, number two is that people realize across different disciplines, either in business or in all of these fields I've established, um, that design helps them think in ways that they didn't think before. It helps them think about themselves as creators, People usually don't think of themselves that way. Um, and it's new, and a lot of people are adopting it. But a lot of people are adopting it in the wrong ways. Um, which people are adopting it? Are these organizations, or yeah. is this... Okay, not so, communities. An example of an organization that just started adopting it was um, UNHCR. Who's that? High Council for Refugees. Okay. So they deal with individuals that are trying to... In conflict areas, and um, trying to deal with the human rights of communities that have issues. Um, design thinking was adopted to the U.S. Army, and there are a few reports on the effectiveness of thinking, trying to chart out the problems that they aim to solve and then trying to work towards solving them. Um, who else? The Gates Foundation, uh, the World Bank is trying to do design thinking work. Um, many, many folks. Okay, so design thinking is an innovation on previous methods of engineering solutions, but you have found I mean, there are, there are problems within that, especially within the development context. Yes. What, so what are those? Um, the, one of the biggest ones is the idea that what people say isn't necessarily what they do. Um, a lot of people say they are designers or they're engaging in design thinking work, but um, their practices are, A, difficult to record and document, and B, a lot of the times, they're, even if they were... Um, there are certain activities that they say they're doing that they're not. Um, so this is actually one of the papers that I wrote. Um, IDO um, is very well known, and that's one of the main entities. Uh, they are a design consultancy firm that got started in about the 80s, and they do fantastic work um, towards trying to push design thinking, particularly um, out to the world. 
And um, they have a platform that they created about five, six years ago called OpenIDO, um, where anybody can be online. They can think of different social issues from educating refugees to uh, figuring out how to pay for college better. So there's a disconnect between the people that are on the website and the communities that they try to assist. Um, barely anybody that did design work and suggested ideas that we that either won the project or um, were related to um, the running of the design solutions actually consulted end users. And since then, IDEO has been doing a lot of work to try and connect um, with the end communities. But the reality is, um, for a lot of these projects, people are usually sitting at their computers doing open IDEO work and suggesting these ideas. And they are really uh, disconnected from the communities that they say they're trying to address. And so you try to take some of these ideas and apply them to a project in Botswana. Kind of. Kind of. Um, It's these ideas of how to engage in design. Um, I admit that my work is meta. It's hard to grasp for the first few times because it took a while for me to understand it myself. Um, But that's not exactly what I was trying to do in Botswana. Um, So I just came back from research, uh, ethnographic research, and I'm trying to go back as well. But... Um, what I noticed is, um, what, what I call it is the, it's an ethnographic study of the innovation ecosystem in Botswana, particularly around evaluation thought, um, mm. evaluation practices. Okay. So who are the players in the ecosystem innovation? Oh, there's, there's a lot that I don't know. Um, and I'm still trying to learn more. Uh, that's one of the great things about, uh, ethnographic work. You can always go deeper. Um, but there are particular ones that um, coalesced around one of the activities I was a part of called the International Development Design Summit. Um, it's been run out of uh, the D-Lab at MIT for the past 10 years. Um, and there were a whole bunch of people that were interested in helping with this work um, in different ways. So one of the main actors is the local community of Aiden. International Development Innovation Network. They're the main entity that run these large design summit. Our was four, four, four weeks long, 8 a.m., 10 p.m., designing contextual technologies for development issues. For my issue, it was the deep sand wheelchair. Um, what is a detem- deep sand wheelchair? Deep sand wheelchair. Um, so it's a wheelchair that works in deep sand. They're trying to make one. So most wheelchairs, the way that they're created, especially that hospital wheelchair that most people don't um, take notice of, um, it works very horribly in deep sand. Sand gets everywhere, especially in the Kalahari Desert where we were working. Um, there's uh, the opportunity that it could get punctured by some of the um, foliage that's out there, some of the plants. Um, it's, it ta- it's very hard to get it repaired. Um, the communities that uh, have them, they probably don't have the right seating. They probably, um, the ergonomics of the seating is probably... Uh, not the way that it should be, and people can't get around. Mm. Okay, so before we get into the details of that, of all the projects that you could potentially have worked on there, why the deep sand wheelchair? We were we were put on that project. I was I, that actually wasn't my first 
uh, choice. There were six projects, and my first choice, I believe, was the um, easy washing machine. Mm. So a lot of they, they wash by hand. So trying to figure out a way that you can um, create a quicker, more economical way to wash clothes mm. um, without using electricity. Uh, but you, you asked me also about the actors. I don't know if you wanted me to go deeper into the people that were at IDDS. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, so the, 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 I, I mentioned that because they would want me to say something. They all do great work. Uh, one of the first main actors was the University of Botswana um, with great people like um, O.J. Seletsa. Um, shout out to O.J. Uh, he's a cool dude. He's a professor at the University of Botswana in industrial engineering. Um, and Nani, uh, shout out to Nani, uh, they do great work. Um, and there's the Botswana Innovation Hub, which got started in 2008, I believe. Um, and they... Uh, they're doing good work to um, fund resources for understanding innovation. They're creating right now the first uh, innovation uh, and science park in Botswana, first of its kind. There's another organization called Beetree. Oh, Lord, what does this stand for? The Botswana Innovation and Technical Research Institute. They got started in 2012, and they're a parastatal that's run partially by the government. Um, these are some of the large entities um, that try to work towards innovation in Botswana currently. Um, so they're doing it, uh, and they came together at this IDDS summit. Okay, so why do all these groups have innovation in their names? Man, the, the, what is, the short answer, the long answer. What is it about the fetishism of innovation, that's, or what does it mean? That, that's a great, it's a good point. Um, I don't want to say what they were trying to do, but I can say why a lot of people love the phrase innovation. It's a buzzword. It's it's nice. It's interesting. It's sexy. It's and that's part of the reason why a lot of people in development are interested in it as well. Um, it's personally, I have the feeling that a lot of people are interested in it because. Um, because other people are interested in it well, it sounds nice. Um, and because our people are interested in the creation of the novel somehow. Um, partially, but that's also the reason why it's um, nice to have the word, because it's undefinable. Um, it's, it doesn't mean red. It doesn't mean cloth. It doesn't mean cloth. It doesn't mean shirt, which has a definable, um, solid definition. Uh, for some people, innovation just means something new. For some people, it means uh, something scalable, something of value, potentially. Uh, for some, it means all of those things. For some, it means the context in which you create it. Um, if something is an innovation there, then um, it's worth it. And um, this non-definability, and there are many other reasons why, um, and the sexiness gets people really interested in putting it um, on their brochures, in their pamphlets, um, and honestly, that's part of the reason why I got interested in this in the first place, because most people do not define the words that they use, especially with innovation. Uh, they say it, they spout it, they potentially get money off of it. Um, but are they doing it the way they should be? So. Okay. So to go back a little bit, um, to ask a better question sure. about the potential projects that were laid out. Why were those six projects that you could choose from at your work, mm -hmm. um, 
Why were those six projects selected? Did they take into account end users or was it in a panel of experts? Mm-hmm. So what they did um, is they went into the community. Um, this was run twice. The IDDS was run twice, one in 2015, one in 2016. They went in beforehand. Uh, they had a workshop and they asked the communities, what type of project should we engage in? Um, and people suggested ideas, uh, many different things. And then they went through a process to try and uh, cut down the ones that um, seemed worthy to turn into some type of scalable intervention. But over time, um, that was contextual to the problems of Dakar. That was the town that we were in and doable in four weeks for our in, in innovation. Um, for the Deep Sand Wheelchair Project, one of the only reasons why we could do that is because three research wheelchair experts were working as design facilitators while we were there over certain periods of time. Because um, that project, what we were basically working with is folks who were disabled in some form. Um, and that's a very... Working with the San, which is the community that lives out there, is already... Um, it's very difficult to do. You have to go jump through a lot of hoops to do it. But working with San that are disabled, that's, that's another level of vulnerability. It's hard. It's a hard activity to choose design work. And it takes people that, are, that have been doing design work for a long period of time. Um, okay. And I want to go back a little bit in your history. Sure. How did you come around to design work? Because yeah. your background's in... In my program, I went to Morehouse College in the University of Michigan, um, and you get two different degrees from two different schools. Um, got the applied physics work done and started with aerospace. And about halfway through, I was like, this, this isn't, I was in a propulsion class. Um, I remember, I think, I can't remember what part, um, but it was, I was there and I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. It's not that it wasn't necessary and everybody that was doing it, they're, they're working on the wrong things, but it didn't fit for me. I wanted my uh, career work to be um, have a moral direction as well, um, like a direct one that I could see. So I got involved. I actually got interested in this by watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. It was the episode. I, I Everyone that's in development, usually they have something like this, some like, Thing that ignited their fire. Um, it was the episode where they said $1.2 billion of the money of the $2 billion that was supposed to go to Haiti for the earthquake was nowhere to be found after nine months. And I was like, huh? What? What's, what's, what is this? Um, and I did my own research in it, understanding uh, the issues around all of the, um, the NGOs that were working there and where the money was going and how cholera was becoming an issue and um, how the entire system of how Haiti was a huge issue and it was advertised and people were trying to give as much as they could because it was such a big problem. But all of our efforts went to naught and a lot of the efforts were actually worse. They actually um, made the environment worse. Um, got me really interested in trying to understand how to help those who have the least, um, which is a certain amount of privilege, that, that, that privilege that I could say, hey, let me help those that are far away with abject poverty issues. Um, it's, I'm, I'm cognizant of that, and I try and grapple with that every day. Um, but I got interested in that, 
I looked, I, I was on the path towards PhD work. I tried to look for PhD programs um, that gave me the freedom to understand how to get involved in international development work, but to find a project that fit. I found ERG, the Energy and Resources Group, um, and they gave me they gave me that freedom. So, and here I am doing something completely different. So, from your origin story or from the Daily Show, yeah, um, John Stewart, and your background in aerospace engineering, yeah, I got it, that. aerospace engineering, aerospace engineering, all the fun courses. It seems like you might. You shout know. out to Doc, shout out to Dean Gallimore. Thank you, Dean Gallimore. You did a lot of work to put me on this path. My man. <laughs> okay. So it seemed like, you know, you could take your interest in development and your, inter- and your interest in engineering yeah. and meld it into engineering for development. Yeah. Designing a better cook stove, creating a water purifier. Yeah. But you didn't exactly take it that way. I didn't. What, what inspired you to look at design theory for yes. social innovation and kind of relinquish your engineering background? Guys, this guy asks good questions. He does. I like it. Um, so I knew that I was coming into development work with a certain amount of, um, handicaps. Um, there were a whole bunch of folks and this is pushed in development. They love people with a specific type of experience and the experiments usually is said in this narrative. It is, I did X work in Y place for Z amount of time. And now I have this experience and I'm interested in doing this work um, for the future. I'm interested in learning about the research and X, Y, Z. And most of the people that are in development engineering, they had some type of experience like that. One of my colleagues um, who, does, who did work in cervical cancer um, screening systems in, oh, I'm sorry, Julia, I think it's Uganda. I'm sorry. Um, so what got her interested in understanding design theory work is that specific experience. I didn't have that. Um, and I knew people would look at me sideways in development to say, well, what can you really say about this? Um, but with that, I did deep thinking to figure out what I could contribute to the field because everybody, this is the point here, was contextual. Every time I say I did X work in Y places at Z time, uh, for Z amount of time, that puts me in a field, that puts me in a time space, that puts me in a place, right? I knew because I didn't have that experience that the work I could adopt I wanted it to be adaptable. I wanted the design, I wanted the collection of um, the way of thinking and the methods that people could engage in to be adaptable depending on the context that you address. Then I found design thinking and it made sense. For all the things that I critique about design thinking work, it's, it's great that in its best theory, anybody can do it in any context to address many, many different types of problems. Um, A lot of people don't try to push that, though. They feel like specific people should do it. Um, When when I say that, I mean like engineers. I mean like business folk. A lot of the times there's a sentiment towards the idea that there should be um, professional designers, uh, just like the same way there are professional engineers uh, who are the experts who know how to engage in ethnography um, who know how to create a scalable, um, rigid, rigorous object like a water purifier or those types of things. Um, 
and they have a specific type of knowledge. But people that are from different contexts, from different communities, they have a knowledge that can help them um, create something that works for their community. And there's not enough crosstalk. Um, there needs to be more crosstalk. So that's why I focus on participation as one of my main um, questions of design work. So within within the context of participation in design work, yeah, have you found any accomplishments to date? I realize this may be a bit precocious mm-hmm. for you, but at the same time, do you mean have high obtained ha- accomplishments? Have you influenced the design process, maybe with OpenIDO or mm-hmm. with IDDS, or started the process of them iterating on on their systems? Nah. Have I influenced? I might have, possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like influence is a thing that happens day by day. Um, It's the the situation I ran into was I ran the paper that I did, and it was on their early stuff that they worked on. And I realized that a lot of the stuff I suggested they were doing after I did it. Uh, They they started doing after I published the paper, and that's part of the problem. Uh, Research moves slower than a lot of the design work. That's a problem with it. Um, but, uh, for my work in, um, Botswana, uh, I'm also doing a literature review of trying to figure out what designers in development are engaging in and how they're doing it. Um, and that work, the main way I'm, the main reason I'm doing it is to get published. Um, and it would be in a journal and I'll try and push the journal as much as possible, but the average individual wouldn't, they wouldn't be exposed to it. Um, so, and for the Botswana work, it'll take some time, and you got to work with the community to make something that's of value. Um, with my a bit of evaluation expertise and their expertise of what works in the context, um, so it's going to take some time with the research. But mm-hmm. there are other activities I'm engaging in that are meant to be uh, more impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to uh, Lord and, Lauren uh, Valdez. Uh, Brooke Stanton and Julia Kramer, the colleague, we are working towards creating a design thinking for social justice um, workshop group. Um, we're ta- we're in the talks right now to try and um, develop and run our workshops in many different communities um, in Oakland and the Bay Area. Uh, so the the ideas is. Um, People can use design thinking not just to create products or projects, but to address social justice issues. We actually uh, wrote a paper on it. We're trying to push that and apply it so that people can use it for their own good. Mm. Um, so does this get at the idea, because um, you mentioned in one of your papers, and I don't know if this is perhaps the one, where too much of design thinking is focused on technic- technological innovation, mm-hmm. whereas what might need to be affected is political dynamics. Exactly. Yes, that was the paper. Um, And my colleagues did fantastic work explaining a lot of pieces to that. Um, That is the case. It is. And I would go as far to say, so technological advancement depends on your definition of technology. It's another vague term that people use. But usually when people say technology, they mean objects. They mean I created a, like I said, an infant warmer, a deep sand wheelchair. I created something tangible. Um, And this is in America, but other people focus on service design. So how to make sure that the the communication between someone who is giving a service and the person who is receiving it um, is designed in the best manner. Business design. Um, Sometimes it's participatory design or public design or 
urban planning design. That's a very large field that I know not as much in. Um, the designing of space. Uh, but even in all of those issues, I, that's why I love to use the word intervention instead of using the word as technology because uh, it it could be an object. It could be a interaction. It could be a business. It could be an experience. Um, even with those issues, a lot of the times, designers cannot, do not think about the larger politics, the larger history, or even their position inside those systems that exist. Um, but that doesn't mean that you still can't use design thinking methods if you were to consider those things, the politics, the history. And it should be considered if we're trying to make lasting um, and ingenious change, like mm. designers say they are. Mm. How could people contact you hmm. or maybe get involved in these social justice workshops? Sure. Especially if they're in the, the Bay Area. Absolutely. Um, so we are very interested in people. Um, if you are a part of an organization, a, a social justice organization, or somebody that's trying to help the public good in any way, um, we are we're interested in uh, partnering with you to figure out ways to uh, work through using design thinking. Um, so I have all of my handles, either on Facebook, on Twitter, on um, LinkedIn. They all say Pierce Gordon one. And my email, if you're really interested in working on this, it's Pierce Gordon one at gmail.com. So hit me up. I'm interested. Let's let's talk. And this is how people get in contact for the social justice workshops as well. Yes, for now. Okay. Absolutely. And for, for not just for the social justice, design thinking for social justice work, but for design consultancy work, um, for if you want to have a design workshop um, outside of that for whatever context, if you want to talk about research, if you just want to talk about innovation over coffee, then I'm here. I'm available. Let's talk about things. Great. Well, thanks for coming on, Pierce. Thanks really, for having me. I man. really appreciate you uh, educating us on design theory and man. innovating on innovation. Man, I, if we have more time, I talk over and over and over about it. Uh, but I'm just glad to be here, man. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about this stuff. This conversation cannot end here. So thank you.